0: This is Decoding Security, a podcast from Microsoft Australia about how to protect your business from the ever-changing threat of cybercrime. On the show, you'll hear from leaders in cybersecurity as well as Microsoft experts as we break down strategies to help keep your business secure. I'm your host, Mark Anderson, and I'm the Chief Security Officer here at Microsoft Australia. In today's episode, we're going to cover the detection and analysis phase of incident management. Himena Dieria is a security product marketing manager at Microsoft, and she is joined by Nick Klein, executive director at CyberCX, and Kate McKay, a technology specialist for security at Microsoft. You'll hear them break down what happens at that moment when an organization is initially aware of an incident taking place, the different events that characterize a security incident, and they will explore some best practices. Now it's over to himena to start the conversation.
1: Nick, I'd like to start with you. What are some of the common ways that incidents can be detected?
2: I guess, of course, the most obvious sign that an attack has occurred, particularly a sort of a ransomware extortion attack, is the ransomware actually being detonated in the network. That's when you see the disruption to systems and networks. And that's, of course, what the attacker was trying to achieve to create that disruption in order to kind of make someone pay a ransom in that case. But it's important to know that by the time you see those really obvious signs of an attack, a lot of things have already happened. If you think of an attack as an attack chain, a series of events that will occur, if we think of the earliest instances of particularly ransomware attacks, the initial entry points almost involve one or more of a few things. There's phishing emails, which we know are very, very common these days, because they still work. So attackers know this and they keep using them. And phishing emails are either going to try to get someone's credentials, or they're going to try to run some malware on the user's computer in order to compromise that and then allow the attacker to spread across the network. The second element that we always see is some sort of compromise of remote access. So it might be password spraying against the VPN ingress point. It might be using some of those stolen credentials from a phishing email, but some way in which the attacker will then remotely come in, usually through an authorized channel. And that's, of course, become very, very common too, because even though we're sort of at the end of COVID now, we still have working from home is quite a common thing across environments and a lot of people are remoting in to work. And the third initial entry point into a network, which has become more and more popular for attackers over the last sort of 12 to 18 months, is exploiting technical vulnerabilities. So when attackers see that vulnerabilities have been published, particularly when there's exploit code available, they'll quickly latch onto that they'll scan for targets and they'll use that to get in. Thinking from a threat intelligence perspective, knowing that that's the most common ways that attackers used to get into a network, if you think about how or where can you look for that kind of stuff, it's malicious activity on users' computers, it's suspicious activity around user accounts, certainly anything suspicious on servers, You should be flagging and monitoring, particularly important servers. Anything unusual at ingress points into the network, so any point at which you can come into the network or a software platform. And that's not just the sort of on-premise network, but that might be cloud tenancies as well for those organizations that have a lot of their infrastructure in the cloud. Certainly looking at any security systems like AV, XDR and others, that's what they're there for is detect this kind of activity. So leveraging them in attacks is really important, particularly for sort of ransom and extortion attacks. Monitoring and looking at activity around backups can be a really good early indicator of an attack. Because remember, attackers in those situations, good attackers will destroy backups because after they deploy their ransomware, they don't want you to be able to use your backups to recover. So if you monitor the security of those backups, the status of those backups, they can be a very early warning sign that something even worse is about to happen. And it's always great if you can catch that at the start. But I guess the final point I was going to make is there's really no silver bullet to this. There's no one particular tool or technique you can use. You really need to have good visibility across different areas of your network and ideally coupled with good threat intelligence. So you really know what to look for and you've got a strong capability to see it when it is happening.
1: That's great, Nick. Thanks. So Kate, Nick touched on, yeah, there's no silver bullets and there's a number of indicators. So in
3: your view, how would someone look
1: for these indicators to detect a cyber attack?
3: in a variety of ways across a range of different sources, depending on what's been set up for the environment. It could be inspecting traffic and transactions from network appliances, your firewalls, your proxies, authentication events from domain controllers or your federation solutions, or even your cloud sign-in and your audit logs. It could also be those device level events, so changes or tasks executed on an endpoint or triggers from your AV or your EDR solution. For some customers, these logs from all the sources are collected centrally and then ingested into a SIEM or security event, information and event help management solution to provide that single pane of glass across the monitored sources to help operators both analyze, then respond to those incidents. It can be pretty challenging for analysts and response teams. There can be millions of signals, gigabytes of data to correlate, then make sense of And then decide which of those events or those indicators that can take priority over others and which steps or appropriate steps to take in response great
1: nick what are the top priority analysis questions would you say when
2: starting a response oftentimes people think about the technical aspects of the work and what we do is very very technical i mean we reconstruct what attackers did to a very very low level through sort of forensic analysis and threat hunting but If you think about the high level questions that you need to be able to answer, they include things like how did the attacker get into the network? Because obviously you need to know the entry point so that you can remediate that. One important thing to note, though, is the way they got in is not necessarily the way that they stayed in. So an attacker might compromise RBP credentials, use that as the channel to get in deploy backdoors across the network. And if you see that that's the way they got in and patch that, you might erroneously think, oh, we've mitigated, you know, we're okay, but you haven't because they've got choke points in other places now. So how they got in, how they're staying in is really, really important. How long have they been inside the network is always a critical question. Have they been there for hours, days, weeks? We've certainly done investigations where the attacker's been there for months or you've got a series of attackers coming and going in some situations. What accounts have been compromised? So Kate talked about authentication earlier. That's really, really key to understand account usage because an attacker's first priority when they get into a network is often getting privileged access so that they can do other things like disable security tooling, try to delete logs, try to delete backups, et cetera, et cetera. So being able to identify their use and misuse of accounts is really key. Knowing which computers they've been on in some way is really important too. And remember that just because a computer doesn't have malware on it doesn't mean an attacker didn't use it. The attacker might be moving around looking for sensitive documents, harvesting information. They might be using native tools like PowerShell or remote desktop to move around. So you don't just follow the malware, you follow the attacker's footprints across the whole network. I've talked already about backdoors. What backdoors have they implanted? And that's really key because... One of the other questions is, can we get them out of the network? So firstly, are they still here? And because good attackers will stay in a the network, they don't often come and disappear and leave it. They will often have some sort of backdoor or back backchannel they can still use to come in. So what security changes have they made? What backdoors have they made? And that leads to how can we confidently get them out of the network when it's time to eradicate? And the other really big question, which is particularly important in sort of ransom and extortion attacks, and this is where particularly senior members of an organization, boards, directors, legal counsel, regulators want to know what sensitive information was accessed, what sensitive information was stolen. And that's just not private information. That might be company secrets. It might be internal R&D, financial information. It might also be information that's sensitive to the network. So we've done breaches where the attacker has stolen schematic diagrams of buildings showing where security systems are or network diagrams of companies' systems and networks showing where security points are. So being able to really understand what information was accessed and taken is really, really key to mitigating all the risks of that being disclosed.
1: That's great. So Kate, during the Ignite last November, we announced a number of enhancements and new capabilities across our entire portfolio, but in particular, and aligned to this topic, in our extended detection and response XDR and security information and event management uh, same service offer. So would you like to talk about how Microsoft can help SecOps and analysts to look for evidence that would help them answer some of the questions that Nick mentioned in the analysis phase?
3: So yes, Extended Detection and Response, or XDR. It's an emerging technology in threat protection. It helps address the need for SecOps teams to increase their efficiency and their effectiveness in getting ahead of those threats and responding to security incidents. So endless lists of alerts from different security point solutions, it makes it pretty tough for defenders to link those signals together accurately and quickly to contain that threat. I really think of XDR as the solution working between your sources, your endpoints, your authentication solutions, and your SIEM. So it's performing things like automated investigations, giving more context and information on an incident, even before analysis, um, or an analyst sorry, has been engaged, and taking automated steps to then respond to an incident, reducing that time spent by SecOps teams. So Microsoft's approach to XDR encompasses a few things, a few areas. We've got Microsoft 365 Defender. It's a set of connected best-of-breed solutions for your data, endpoints, identities, and apps. And then Microsoft Defender for cloud. So threat protection across your server endpoints, your containers, your network infrastructure, IoT devices on the edge, and hosted apps. As part of that detection and response capabilities using XDR, SecOps teams can also use our advanced hunting tools. So across raw data collected from those sources and proactively search for evidence of an attack and just act before it actually progresses. So advanced hunting, it's a query-based threat hunting tool in Microsoft 365 Defender, lets you explore raw data from connected sources. You can inspect events in your network to locate threat indicators, and those related entities and set up custom detections and alerting in planning for future incidents.
1: That's great, Kate. Microsoft is absolutely committed to empower security operations analysts and defenders with an integrated toolset and security intelligence. I'll leverage these opportunity to invite you all at home to watch our on-demand sessions at Ignite that go much deeper into things like Sentinel's expanding fusions capabilities and new integrations. Also the extension of our native cloud security posture management and workload protection capabilities to Amazon Web Services within Microsoft Defender for Cloud. The links of these sessions can be found in the resource window, so check them out. So Nick, in your view and considering, again, there's no silver bullet, there's no one way to do these, what are some key elements of success in this phase of an incident plan?
2: I'd probably break down three main areas, preparation, people, and technology. So preparation, the time to decide how your organization should respond to an incident shouldn't be when the incident has occurred. This is where leveraging threat intelligence and our knowledge of attackers is really valuable. Like, We know how attackers operate. We know their tools, their techniques, their methods. We know how they move around network. We know how to find them and get them out. And we also know how attacks play out in organizations. So what organizations should do is leverage that knowledge, that experience to map out if an incident happened tomorrow here, how would that look? What would the steps of that incident be? What would the steps of our response be? And therefore, where do we know that we've got some good capability and ability to respond? And where are our gaps? And the more detail you can put into that process, the better prepared you'll be. And firstly, it'll actually help you prevent a lot of incidents occurring, but If one were to occur, it means you've got a really good, robust understanding of how you're going to respond. And the impact of that incident is probably going to be a lot less as well. The second area is around people. So make sure you've got the right people engaged. Make sure you've got external parties. Make sure you've understood your stakeholders. You know who would be involved if an incident were to occur. And they've got the right skills and expertise to help you through. And then if an incident does occur, make sure you coordinate and manage that team well. So when an incident first happens, particularly something that's big or complex, it always starts with what I kind of describe as that headless chook period where everyone's running around trying to figure out what to do. Right? The better you can control and coordinate everyone's activities right from the start, you're going to set yourself up for responding better and, and ultimately for succeeding in whatever your response outcomes need to be. And the last bit about people is get senior executives involved in this process. So when you do your planning for an incident, there might be some really serious questions that your senior execs, directors, executives, and your board need to answer. Like, Are we going to engage with the cyber criminal who's saying they can get us back on our feet? Are we going to consider what they're saying about giving them some money in order to make this go away? These are not nice conversations to have. But if, again, you don't want to be having them for the first time debating those things in the heat of an incident, you want to be doing it ahead. And the final area, as I said, is technology. So the first thing is having visibility of what's happening across the network is really, really key. It's almost impossible to investigate an incident and to respond and to be confident about your response if you just can't see what's going on in the network. So make sure that your tooling gives you that really good visibility of what's happening, not just on your servers, but on as much of your fleet as possible. Because if you can do that, you can investigate properly. And that's, again, sort of reiterating what I said before. My last sort of recommendation is you have to do a good thorough investigation because if you don't, you can't answer those questions that I posed before. And you really don't know if you've succeeded You don't know if you've gotten over this incident. You don't know if there's going to be more waves of this to come. So the better you can investigate and reconstruct to a detailed level, the more informed the rest of your response will be. And ultimately, you'll be able to sort of confidently get past the incident and move on.
3: That's great. Kate, your thoughts? Yes, absolutely. Reiterate what Nick said (laughs) is firstly, prepare and plan and then plan some more. Those early stages of identification, discovery, and the analysis are so critical, and it can take a lot of time before you even get to thinking about response and remediation. Having your key response teams and other stakeholders within the organization both understanding what to do in an incident and what their responsibilities are, That's the first step. Then having that response plan documented, that's great. (laughs) But also then testing and refining it and improving on that plan. So it's embedded in the team and it's not a live learning exercise during that real incident. And look, wherever you can, I would recommend take advantage of your automation or automated detection and response capabilities Those initial stages of the incident are so critical. Collecting and prioritizing relevant signals, those intelligence feeds, performing behavioral analysis and automated response actions, it can greatly impact the time it takes to then resolve and remediate the incident.
0: You've been listening to Decoding Security, a show about how to protect your business from the ever-changing threat of cybercrime. This podcast is brought to you by Microsoft Australia. Microsoft Australia provides a comprehensive suite of end-to-end security solutions, unified across people, devices, apps, and data. For more information, visit the website, microsoft.com forward slash decoding security. This podcast was made with strategy and production support from Wavelength Creative. To make sure you don't miss an episode of Decoding Security, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Mark Anderson, and we'll be back next episode with more Decoding Security.